0: Friends, turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 4, John chapter 4. And this morning we'll be closing this chapter together. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in praise and song and uh, preparing our hearts to hear from God's Word even as we recognize and praise Him for His amazing grace, that which we'll see even by means of this text. And let's look at God's grace shown to us in his word. And we'll begin this morning in John 4, verse 43. And we'll go through to the end of the chapter. John four forty-three reads this way. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Pray with me as we turn to God's word together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And thank you for this gospel. Thank you for the many great deeds that Jesus has done And not only to show us his power, but also to show us his grace. Not only to uh, display the great measure of his might and the awesome wonders that he's capable of, but also to demonstrate unto us that we must believe in him. There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus. Because the one who is able to make this child heal better again is the one who, who rose from the dead on our behalf. Help us to understand your word and find in it the encouragement our hearts need this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's been a long past couple of weeks uh, for me. Uh, had a lot of things going on here, both Uh, for the church, getting ready for camp, but also uh, at the seminary level. I help with our doctoral program, and we've had an awesome last two weeks, but uh, I've been kind of drained, and the perfect um, way to end all of that was to celebrate Nemo's birthday yesterday, and so we did that. Yesterday, Nemo turned three, and uh, he's been telling me that for six months, so I'm so glad it finally happened, and Yesterday was a fun day. I've got some photos even from kind of just our our day of shenanigans and celebration. We started with uh, what he really wanted in his life for his birthday. I've been asking for the last six months since he's been telling me he's going to turn three, what is it you want most? Um, So what he wanted most was pancakes. And so we were able to meet that need. And this is me and him. Uh, There's no pancakes in the picture because he devoured them. But uh, he did a good job eating his pancakes. I, I commend him for the job he did eating his pancakes. Um, Nemo started the day like this, and then we can go to the next slide here. And we took him to the beach, and we had a fun day there, and the smile is kind of fake. And so I'm like, okay, kid. I tried to take a really nice photo, but it was just not not quite working. But he did okay, and everyone's alive, and the baby's got eight layers on. So we, you know, we did the thing. Next slide. As we go on, I try to take another one just with him, but he's he I'm like, You love me, right? And he's like, Yeah. So why don't you want to take pictures with me? And he's like, I don't know. And so then this leads us really to Yeah. This is where we This just throughout the course of the day, this is how it went. Now minute after minute, we just kept watching as this poor child descend this. Look at his little shark fin, no longer wanting to work. He no longer wants to swim. He's sick of it, um, and here's what we learned is he's actually sick. Um, so the reason Nemo had no fun yesterday on his birthday that he's been looking forward to for six months, let's take him off of there. He'd want us to. He's he's tired of it. He's tired of the attention. Um, the reason that Nemo yesterday on his birthday, as much fun as we tried to have with him, couldn't keep up, uh, we found out later on was because he had 102 fever, and so Nemo, last night, went to bed, and we just said, Sorry, dude, we didn't realize you were literally telling us you couldn't go today. Um, And he woke up this morning, and he's in the same boat. Uh, Truthfully, we have no idea what's going on with him. Uh, But as a parent, I can tell you that uh, the minute your kid gets sick, uh, you begin to worry a lot. And those things come up, and they're very noticeable to you right away. You guys all have seen Nemo. He's saying happy birthday to every single one of you. You know how happy he can be and how joyful he can be. And when those things aren't there anymore, there's a great need of concern. There's a lot of questions that go through your mind. And I think for all of us, whether it's a loved one or even yourself when you get sick, it's kind of a reminder to each of us of the reality that we will not last very long on this earth. The reality of illness and sickness, it's just a, a reminder that we're here today and we very well can be gone tomorrow. Our days truly are numbered. Uh, the time that we get to spend on this life, it's, it's here but in the present, but we have no idea how long God has measured that out for us. And as Nemo kind of falls sick, it's just a reminder to me that he's human. And yet here we find a, a man who not only has a sick child, but one who's sick to the point of death. It's the most taxing thing on a parent's mind. A child who isn't just unwell, but it seems like though they will never get better. It isn't simply that they're sick, but they're dying. That is a great concern to the man that approaches Jesus here. And what we're going to find as we Uh, look into this text is jesus is compassionate enough to help this man and his child even when faith in him isn't where it should be this man approaches with a very noble cause i think all of us understand that him approaching jesus on behalf of his son is a good thing and yet what he desires from jesus is a show a spectacle something awesome And yet Jesus will provide this man with something greater. We're reminded in this text that Jesus truly is God because Jesus has the power to heal. But I think what's more, we find in this text that troubled times lead us towards a strong savior. Difficulty should push us towards trusting in Jesus. Sickness and lack of health is sometimes the best thing for us if it causes us to go to Christ and trust in him. It's a very simple reminder. And the message that we have before us, for me at least, became very much a one-point message. Believe in Christ. Because the whole point of this message through the contours of a story that has to do with a child who's fallen ill and a, a father who is trying to hold on and make things better. In all of it, what we're finding is that Jesus desires for others to believe in him and find life. Yes, he can make those who are sick better. But much more, all who believe in him will have life and never lose it. And so what this man came for, he received. He received. And yet, he got so much more. Because all who believe in Christ get way more than they bargained for. Uh, look at the text with me, and I want you to see this, uh, this reality of belief in Christ as the penultimate, or really the ultimate uh, focus of Jesus' ministry. Just as we read at the very beginning of this series that John twenty thirty one is true. The purpose of this letter is that you would believe and have life in his name. That's what Jesus came for. Look with me at this text as we see this together. After two days in Samaria, Jesus departs from there to go to Galilee. You'll notice something very interesting in verses 44 and 45. For or because... Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So Jesus is making his way back to Galilee. And Jesus is heading back in this direction because there is no love for him. And this is no surprise to us. We shouldn't really be surprised at all that the world doesn't receive him and that he isn't welcomed by his own. It was said to us of him in John chapter 1. The true light, verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're seeing something miraculous happen in the ministry of Jesus. John makes it clear for us, his own do not receive him. And yet, there is a Samaritan woman at the well who does receive him. And there is now this official in Herod's court, it is believed, who will also receive him. Though Jesus is doing many signs and wonders and displaying his power and his deity, his godness, And though Jesus is proving time and time again exactly who he is, it seems like no one wants to believe but a few. And that's a good note for us too. It doesn't matter how many people believe in Jesus so long as you do. It is irrelevant how many people around you assent to, believe in, buy into the gospel of Christ, You must. God hasn't asked for the majority to believe. He's asked the world to believe. And in light of that, many have rejected him. And here he is again, proving exactly who he is. And still few believe. But belief will come to one home here in Capernaum. And that's exactly what Jesus came for. He isn't received in his hometown. And so he departs to Galilee. And when he comes to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Now, that's completely opposite to what we just heard. On the one hand, he receives no honor in his hometown, but here he is welcomed. How do you make sense of that? I think we can make sense of it by reading what is to follow. Having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. And read verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Why was Jesus received? Why was he welcomed? Because Jesus does amazing things. Last time Jesus was in town, he took water and made it into wine. And when he went up to Jerusalem, he stormed into the temple. And he turned tables upside down. And he drove the animals out of the temple. And he drove the money changers out of the temple. And he fixed everything that was going on there. He seems to be the kind of person that has a lot of power and a lot to do for us. They welcomed him, not because they loved him, but because Jesus can do things that benefit them. Friend, as we begin to see this awesome story of Jesus' compassion towards this official, his family, and particularly his son, each and every single one of us need to be reminded that it is something completely different to believe in Jesus than it is to be fascinated by Jesus. It is one thing to love Christ and to live for Christ and a completely different thing to think he's kind of cool, to think that he's kind of noble, to think that he's a miracle worker, to think that he does amazing things. All of this is true, and yet many people desire that kind of Jesus. Little do we know it, and often are we blinded to it, that the reason that we care about Jesus is because we think Jesus is simply here to do whatever we want him to do. That's how many treated him. And so Jesus being welcomed back into town, it isn't that they love Jesus. It isn't that they recognize he's the son of God. It isn't that they want to worship him as he is. It's that they remembered this guy did something awesome. Maybe he can do more of that. It's like Jesus is walking around with these disciples and it's some kind of a circus. Put on a show, Jesus. Do something amazing. Do something spectacular. Do it again and again and again. We love this kind of Jesus. That isn't belief. That's simply fascination. What you must do is believe upon Christ as he is. And this official here will come to terms with that. He comes to Jesus because he recognizes this man has the power to meet my need. And I don't mean to make this guy out to be a bad guy. In fact, I think there is something worthier for us to note here. That absolutely, though, we are not to just simply be fascinated by the idea of Christ. And we ought to believe in the true person and work of Christ. This man understood that in this hour of darkest need, he had to come to Jesus. And friends, that is something for all of us to take note of. At Capernaum, there is this official whose son is ill and isn't getting better. And as an official, there's many things afforded to him. That term there, it makes this person someone of rank. He has a high position. It's likely that he works in the king's court. It's likely that he works for King Herod, a guy who doesn't like Jesus, doesn't love his ministry, hates John the Baptist, will behead him in a little bit. This man has probably heard of Jesus before, probably has heard to stay away from Jesus or to do away with Jesus. But this man recognizes, no matter how high his position or perhaps even how low his view of Christ Jesus is the only one who can meet his need. And so as his son lies dying in a bed, he says, I will rise up and go to Jesus. When he heard verse 47, that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down. And heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Ekanah would have been maybe 14 miles from Capernaum. It sits up on the hills that then lead you to Capernaum, which is more of a, a lake town. A town that's filled with commerce and activity and a marketplace. And so he sends up from Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when he finds him, he says, come back down with me. I need your help. And it's immediate. This is a dire situation. It's not a cold. It's not a flu. It's something that has afflicted his son to the point that he doesn't think his son will make it. So he does exactly what anyone would do in his position. He's going out to find help wherever he can friends i've been in moments like this before and you don't know what kind of answers you're going to get when you're looking for this kind of help but the answers at that point don't matter to you as much as looking for help trying to find anyone who can come to terms with the situation and fix it this man has probably tried everything I'm sure that with his position, there was no shortage of doctors. I'm sure that in his position, there's no shortage of money to try to buy his way into saving his son's life. He's done everything. So now he's going to this miracle worker. It's what all of us must do in our hour of need. He does the right thing. But Jesus reads into this man and notices something that you and I might think is kind of harsh, but we should recognize just how loving our Savior is. Jesus says to him, as he approaches with this great concern for his son, a one who's at the point of dying, Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Kind of harsh, isn't it? I mean, the guy loves his son, and he wants him to be better. Jesus could have just said, sure, let me come with you. But instead, Jesus pivots this situation and says, unless I do something about it, you won't believe in me, huh? Unless I do awesome things, unless I continue to do all the things that you want, you won't believe in me. He understands so well the condition of the heart. It's why we remember reading in John chapter 2, Jesus didn't entrust himself to others because he knew the, the heart of men. And here he knows the heart of this inf- official. Absolutely noble that he wants to save his son. But it's not noble to think that we can just use Jesus when we want him and refuse him when we don't. This man has a kind Heart and a loving heart towards his son. But he needs to come to terms with a love for Jesus, the only savior available to him. Sure, his son is dying, but so too are all of us apart from Christ. And so this man wants his son to live and Jesus is truly looking back at him and saying, I, I want you to live. And You won't believe unless I do amazing things. Friends, he came to the right place, but he still doesn't have the kind of faith that saves. Now, Jesus is truly a compassionate Savior. And so verse 49, the official responds to Jesus saying, Sir, come down before my child dies. It's a final cry. It's desperation mode. Jesus, you have to come with me or I'm going to lose him. And Jesus says to him, Go, your son will live. It's a beautiful reminder to us of the kind of Jesus that we worship. That when Jesus says something, it's as good as done. When Jesus speaks, things have been accomplished. The words of Jesus are as powerful, if not more important, than even the very things that he does. It's awesome that he can turn water into wine, but what you should believe is that he is God's son. And when he declares himself to you, and when he shows himself to you, and when he reveals himself to you, you should believe him at his word. Because his word is true. I think that this kind of message reminds us of what John has already told us about this Jesus. In John 1, Jesus is said to have come to us in the fullness of grace and truth. Here we see both. You can trust Jesus' word because they're true. And you can watch as Jesus works, not because you deserve it, but because he truly is Lord of all, compassionate, slow to anger, gracious, and abounding in steadfast love. He did not have to save the official son, but by one word he says, go, and his son is said to live. Notice how the man responds to this. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He took Jesus at his word. He said, if he's telling me to go home, then something must be happening. I'll go home and I'll believe Jesus and I'll go on my way. Now, there's something interesting that we should note here. Uh, Having made this journey up to Cana that probably would have taken this man anywhere from six to seven hours, which seems to be our route, right? You'll see later on in this text uh, where the man asks, when did my son get well? They say yesterday at the seventh hour. Presumably then Jesus and this man have a conversation at this seventh hour, which would have put them at around one o'clock. The day starts at 6 a.m., seven hours later, do math, one o'clock. So it took this man likely six hours to get to Cana. He then talks to Jesus around that one o'clock hour. His son is made well, but now there's not enough time truly to make it back home. And so it makes sense to us if we're looking here at verse 51, as he was going down, that is, as he's going back home, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. He wasn't going to make it back home that night. However, two things. At his pit stop, he finds his servants. Why? Because when Jesus said that his son would be well, his son was made well. And the servants don't care what time it is. They just know that we have to go find our master. We have to go find the official. Because this is the kind of news he's going to want to hear. And he isn't going to want to wait. So they find him on the road. And they tell him this grand news. Your son is recovering. The official immediately thinks back to his conversation with Christ and he asked them uh, uh, about what hour they had he had begun to get better and they say to him yesterday at the 7th hour the fever left him eradicated gone complete healing it is actually something that reminds us the distinct power of what Jesus is doing here and the distinct power that Jesus carries in these miracles jesus is powerful enough that If you're unwell, he will make you well in an instant. It doesn't take time. It doesn't require medicine. It doesn't require a regiment. When Jesus said that this son was well, he was well. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live Now the words of of Jesus and the works of Jesus are coinciding to do in this man what Jesus' purposed to do. This story takes a significant turn here because this man came to Jesus for the healing of his son, but Jesus came to this man for the healing of his heart. This man came to Jesus because he wanted his son to be better. And Jesus came to this man because he wanted him to live. Now he can see exactly who this Jesus is. His words as good as his work. And his work as good as any. Now his son lives and John makes a a particular emphasis for us here at the end of verse 53. And he himself believed in all his household. Belief isn't new to this passage, is it? We've already read, Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And now we read yet again, and he himself believed in all his household. I mean, what's going on? How much belief does it take? Friends, it doesn't take much belief, but it does take the right one. There are many different ways that we can express that we believe in Jesus, but do we believe in Jesus based upon his truth? Do we believe in Jesus based upon knowing and loving exactly who he is? It is insufficient to think noble things of Jesus you must discover and you must believe with all your heart that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. That when Jesus says he is the eternal word, the son of God, the one who's come to give life in place of death that we deserve, we believe in him in that way. Every piece of the puzzle came together for this man. Now so that he would believe truly. It's why the... Words are constructed this way. He himself believed. It's as if to make this final. It's to emphasize just how clearly this man believed in Christ. He himself, you don't need to use those words back to back, but John desires to to demonstrate to you this is real. And it's an awesome reality that as soon as this man believes, so does his household. This ends for us with a little bit of an indictment. And it's kind of interesting. Verse 54, it sticks out as a bit of a rebuke to all of us. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Jesus isn't short on doing amazing things. Jesus isn't holding back from doing wondrous deeds. There is no shortage of miracles or works that he can perform. In fact, as soon as Jesus says that a dying child is better, that child is better. And yet this is the second time Jesus does something awesome like that in Cana. And just this man and his household believe. Friends, it's a reminder to all of us that we can become very familiar with the Jesus of the Bible and never truly believe in him. It's a reminder to all of us that as we flip the pages of Scripture, you can read a lot about him, but the question isn't simply, do you know about him? The question is, do you believe in him? The question is not, do you know the stories about what Jesus has done? For many know the stories of what Jesus has done. The whole town of Cana could sing songs about God's kindness through Jesus, and yet just this man and his family believed. John is indicting the people because this isn't the first time, and this isn't the only time we've seen miraculous things done by Christ, and so few believe in him. But friend, The message for you this morning is that you should aspire to be one of those few. Place your trust in Christ. Be like this man and his family. Be like the Samaritan woman at the well. Be like the disciples who forsake everything to follow him. It's fine if crowds don't follow him and if crowds only follow him for the wrong reasons, that's not your problem. The problem is, do you believe and do you trust in this Jesus? Gracious, compassionate, true. Friend, you can live your whole life walking around and hearing about this Jesus. Have you come to terms with your faith in him? I pray that today is an opportunity by which you make an assessment of your heart and with full confidence declare, I know and love Christ. And the reason that you can say that with full confidence is because Jesus knows and has loved you. That while you were a sinner perishing in your sins, he came to give himself up and die on a cross, a death that you deserved, so that instead of dying, you might live eternally with him. And he is dead no more. He lives and reigns, and all of his people will be united with him again. And Jesus has done these things so that you too might live. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the miracle that we even witness in you making this child well again and yet the purpose of heaven is not only to restore health but to restore souls in a right footing and standing before god we are so grateful that in our hour of need we can come to jesus that when anything is troubling us or when any trial besets us we can turn to God and through Christ find a compassionate and merciful Savior. One who is not guaranteeing to make everything in this life better, but one who fully guarantees to give us new life in him. And so Lord, come what may, we thank you because in trusting in Christ, eternal life is granted. Help us to be honest with ourselves about where we stand before you. If anyone in this room has not believed, I pray that you would open their eyes and their heart to see the truth of Christ and to place their faith in him for there is no other hope under heaven but the name of Jesus. And all of us who have loved you and professed our faith in you, help that faith to grow as we watch as you care for us on a regular basis. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.